Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. If you guys don't know, I'm Brandon. I am one of the co-youth leaders here at Grace Life, and I get the honor to speak. Uh, I want to say thank you to Pastor Jimmy and the elders for believing in me and giving me the opportunity. Uh, I'm a little different. Uh, because I speak to students all the time, I expect you guys to talk back to me. Is that okay? Can we do that? Do you know it's very rare that I hear silence while I'm preaching up on a stage on Wednesday nights? So I need you guys to interact uh, with me. Is that cool? Awesome. Well, first, before we get started, on your chairs, there's a Bible reading guide. Those uh, come out every year. They're just from Grace Life, something that we made. And this is for the first quarter of next year. So take them home with you. Also, if you don't want to use these, um, we have, there's, there's so many other versions out there. There's uh, version, the Bible app. Uh, what's really cool, I'm super forgetful because I work with students, so I got to act like a student, right? And so I'm super forgetful, so I forget. And the Bible app actually has one where you can choose what you want to do, and it will send you reminders every day. Hey, you need to read this. You need to read that. So there's, there's multiple ways you can do it. But if you just say, hey, next year, I want to read the Bible all the way through. Here's an easy way to do it. Uh, that's first quarter. Second quarter, we'll come out with a new one, give them to you just so you don't have bulky and a whole bunch of cards. Cool? All right, let's get started. So the other day when I was here, um, Frank, one of the guys who helps out here and there around the church, asked me a question. And this happens a lot to, to any kind of pastors or people who work in the church. They say, so what's your real job? So I have a real job, if, if we want to consider that. I actually work for Chipotle. Is there any Chipotle people there? Yeah, you like Chipotle? So it didn't sound that good. No wonder. Um, so Jimmy, when I started coming to Grace Life, Pastor Jimmy always talks about Moe's, and it really hurt my feelings. And so in first step, we always did Moe's the first week. And when I came, I, like literally, I think it was the second week I was here, I said, listen, hey, I, I work for Chipotle, so can you stop talking about Moe's because you hurt my feelings? And then I went to first step and I had to eat Moe's. And so now you guys get Chipotle for first step, right? That's exciting. And I even beat their prices, which is even better. But anyway, I like Moe's There's nothing against Moe's, but uh, I always think it's funny that he always uses the reference like, I know you guys are ready to go to Moe's and you're ready to get out of here. So I'm the Chipotle guy. Anyway, I want to tell you a story about Chipotle and a little bit of my career. So I've been with Chipotle for seven years now, and I started as the tortilla guy. I'm the guy that when you walk in, I'm like, hey, welcome to Chipotle. How are you doing today? And what would you like? A bowl, burrito, tacos? I give you the whole spill. And, and uh, I started with Chipotle making $8 an hour and wasn't excited about being there. So give you a backstory. I said it was in full-time ministry for probably about five, six years, did youth ministry full-time. And uh, I left that church, felt like the Lord was going somewhere else. And I started with Chipotle. And, and I remember questioning, what in the world am I doing at $8 an hour at Chipotle? Have you guys ever been in a season in life where you're like, how did I end up here? I remember telling my boss, actually, she might even be in here, which was really cool. Um, but I, I told my boss at the time, I said, I give it six months tops, I'm getting out of here. And she looked at me and I, she goes, if you're not saying, you don't even need to start. I said, all right, well, you know, we'll, we'll work something out. So I started, and I, I did really good. I'm one of those guys where, uh, even though I'm very uh, insecure, I guess you would say, I, I like to be a little boastful as well. So I'm that guy, when I do something right, I want everybody to know it. 
So when I started with Chipotle, I started, I started doing my things. I started making the chips, and my chips are still the best in Columbia. So if you ever want to go, try my chips. And I would beat the time limits, and I would be like, ha, 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 I beat that time limit. I can do this. And that's just who I was. And so at one point in my career, I was, I was, uh, it was one morning, uh, we were prepping. I was cutting some lettuce, and my boss came in, and she was super upset. She was like, I can't get any of my managers to do their jobs. You know, they just all stink. And I said, hey, I'll be a manager for you. And, and she looked, she shut me down really quickly. Let me go ahead and tell you that. That was a heck no. And uh, she's like, first, you told me that you're leaving and you don't even want to be here. And, and then second, it's just a waste of my time to train you. And that hurt my feelings. So I was like, all right, whatever, I'll leave it alone. So a couple weeks later, a couple weeks go by, and uh, she makes a comment again about how her managers never do anything correctly. And, and I said, listen, I'm right here. And uh, she, she kind of made some comments, and I, I looked her squarely, and I said, listen, I'll make you a deal. I will commit a year if you invest into me and in being a manager. I said, I want you to succeed. And she said, Okay, let's do it. So I got my first ever management position, which I thought was cool because I didn't go to school for that. I didn't have a lot of experience. And I was a, I was a kitchen manager. She started to train me. And this manager, she, she was difficult sometimes. You guys ever have a difficult manager? Yeah. She's that one who like when you're, somebody raised their hand who used to work for me. That really hurt my feelings. <laughs> Good job, Andrew. So she was, that, she was that manager when you were coming in and, and you're doing prep and there's like lettuce all over the floor and it's dirty. And, and she walks in and she goes, doesn't look like there's a manager working today. Okay, I got you. I got what you're saying. One of my favorite ones is I left the room dirty and I went to go get a drink and I came back and she looks at me and she goes, so you want to be a kitchen manager? And I was like, doggone it. She was just so, she had those, those perfect comments. She was petty. She, was, she just threw them in there real quick. And you're like, man, how'd you get away with that? Well, anyway, I got, I got into management and my first time ever closing, super excited. It was the end of the month. Who ever worked in restaurants? Who ever worked in management in restaurants? What do we do at the end of the month? Inventory. And that means we got to count everything to the T. So we got to count every napkin, every fork, every cup, everything to the T. And it was my first night closing. Yay. So I get to close this restaurant and do inventory. And so being the guy that I am, I said, hey, I'm going to do this well. So I pulled all the crew together and I said, hey, listen, I want them to know that we're the best team that they got. So we're going to get out on time. We're, we're actually going to get out early. The restaurant's going to be clean. We're going to start pre-closing. And, and I was that manager. It was my first ever manager series that I was like doing dishes with them. And I was helping them out. I was doing their jobs because I wanted to prove a point that we were good. So that night, as I started to get the close, I did all my pre-closing. I lined it up all on the desk. got all my stuff printed out. I was ready to go. And we got out like 30 minutes early. And I was like, yes, super excited. So myself gets up early in the morning. I couldn't even sleep. Like you, it's like the day before Christmas and, and you're waiting for those gifts. I couldn't even sleep. And I get to the store. I wasn't working. I just wanted to show my face to let my boss know how well of a job I did. And I get there and she goes, oh, it's you. What's that supposed to mean? It's me. And she goes, you forgot inventory. Doggone it. I forgot to do inventory. I was so upset. And she said this very clearly. She goes, never in my career as a manager have I ever had somebody forget inventory. She goes, how are we going to know where we are, what we did, and how we can get better? Because you forgot inventory. 
Inventory is one of the things that most people who do it, there, there are certain people who love to count and love to take inventory, but it's one of those things that's difficult and it takes some time. And honestly, sometimes we don't like the results. So we don't take inventory in, in, a, in our own lives. So with the New Year's coming up, I wanted to Google something. So I Googled top New Year's resolutions for 2019. And there was three that popped up uh, that are probably the past 10 years have been on there. And I think it's funny, and insider.com said this verbatim, I wanna read it. it, says, despite the low success rate, success rate of New Year's resolutions, people continually make plans to eat less, work out more, in the likes and hopes of living a healthier life. This year, there's no exception. Insider recently polled 11, 11, or sorry, 1,102 people about their 2019 resolutions, and the majority of respondents want to make health-related changes in the new year. Insider also asks how they plan to achieve these goals. Who's ever made a New Year's resolution with health? All of us, right? It's something we do almost every single year. So there's going to be some up here. The first one is how Americans plan to diet in 2019. Who's ever tried a low-carb diet? Who's ever did a calorie restriction? Here's my favorite. It's actually going around really hardcore in the church. Who's done keto? Right? We got some keto people looking good. All right, so let's go to the next one. How Americans plan to exercise more in 2019. They're going to work out three or four times per week. 32.4% of people said that. All right, they're going to go to the gym more often. I got a good one. This would be my answer. Because if you go one time next year, it's better than none this year, right? Third is we're going to join a gym. I like, I like that answer too. Just join it. You don't have to go. If you just join it, you're healthier next year. And you can see them. So the last one is how Americans plan to quit smoking in 2019. Gradually reduce cigarette use. Pretty good. Cutting cold turkey or using electronic cigarettes and vaping. Maybe it's a big thing that I just don't understand. You just, you, you smell fruit loops when you're like walking through the mall and you're like, what's that? Somebody got cereal? No, it's a vape, bro. All right. So anyway, we can go around the room and we can talk about all the different plans or visions or new year's resolutions that you guys have made over the years. And I, we would have some good stories. We would have some funny stories. We would have some sad stories. We'd have some victory stories, right? You guys ever do something and you accomplish it and you're like, yes, I did that. We would have all those stories around the room and it'd be really cool. But I want to dig in a little bit and teach you guys something today that New Year's resolutions sometimes and can be the will of the Father. We have to think, is this a plan? Is this a vision? Is this a New Year's resolution? What does it benefit me? But to do that, we have to take inventory of our own lives. So the end of this year, instead of doing a typical New Year's resolution where we talk about maybe first, right, what we're doing next, next week, uh, I want to talk about taking inventory in your own lives. So my boss said it best. She said three things. She goes, where we have been, where we are, and where we are going. That's why inventory is important in our own lives. So I'm gonna break this down for you a little bit, and I'm gonna talk about a guy named Solomon. Solomon is a king. His father is David, David and Goliath. Yeah, that David. So it's his, it's his son, his, his name's Solomon. And so if we're gonna break this down in our own lives, we gotta figure out where we've been. Typical message I could preach is, 
We've all been sinners, right? Romans 3.23 says that all have fallen short of the glory of God, all have sinned. That's not where we're going. We're all in different parts of our walk with Jesus. We're all in different parts of our lives. So where have you started with the vision that you were thinking? Maybe last year you decided that you wanted to read through the Bible, like our Bible planning guide, and you got through the first quarter. Or maybe through two quarters. Yeah, halfway through the year, and you didn't finish what you wanted to finish. And what we do in those, mean, in those times is, we just try to block it off and we just try to ignore those visions or those plans or those New Year's resolutions. So I want to read a little bit about King Solomon. King Solomon was David's son, like we talked about, and he became king right after his father. So he grew up in royalty. He grew up with money. He grew up with wealth and riches. And I want to name some of the things that I found out about King Solomon when I was reading. King Solomon was a king, right? That's a given one. He was the king during the golden age of Israel. What that means is everything was gold. They just found out about this thing. It was awesome. He got paid in gold. Uh, his his you know, bedroom was in gold. His tables were in gold. Everything was gold. You feel rich if you had gold, right? Next, he built the first temple in Jerusalem. The first ever where they took the Ark of the, uh, Ark of the Covenant, right? The Ark of the Covenant. There you go. That's how you say that. They took it and they built the first temple in Jerusalem and he was part of that. He said, this is what we're going to do and he did it. He had 4,000 stalls, sorry, 40,000 stalls for horses and chariots. He had 12,000 mounted cavalry. What's really cool is God offered him wisdom and prosperity again and again. He not only did it once, he did it twice in his life. And the Bible said he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. We can't do that one nowadays. Ixnay that one, that's not exciting for you guys. But for him, that was pretty cool, right? That was something that you're known for. And so he's known for all these things. He's known to be great. That's where King Solomon started. In your own life, you got to figure those out. you got to be honest. you got to be up front. Next, we need to be honest. This is the point where, where I'm going to hit the most today, is we need to be honest where we are. So many times in my career at Chipotle, I've had to talk to people or let people go because they weren't honest about their inventory. Uh, you know, they were trying to forge the numbers. And, and I think it's, it's really honest sometimes to be honest about ourselves. You know, when, when something doesn't go right, when you say, hey, I'm going to do this, maybe it's a diet, maybe it's quit smoking, maybe it's read the Bible, maybe it's pray more, whatever it is, maybe it's to run, whatever it is, right? And, and you start to do that and you start to slip, the first thing you do is you, you don't tell anybody about it. <laughs> Nobody knows. And we put it in the back of our mind and we try to hide those things and we say, hey, nobody brings it up. It's okay, let's just, let's just push it back. And what we gotta do is we gotta stop and say, hey, this is where I'm at. We gotta celebrate the small wins. We gotta get excited about those. I, I said here, we will have those situations when something bad happens to you. You say, I don't wanna talk about it. Maybe it will go away if you don't think about it, you know, that's what happens so much in our lives. And when we come up with plans or New Year's resolutions or visions from the Lord, we have to stick true to them. And we got to make sure that the vision that God wanted you to do in your life um, is exactly what you're doing. And, and if it's not, you got to be honest. You got to write it down. So I want to talk about King Solomon right here in Ecclesiastes 1. So we just talked about King Solomon who had it all. He had horses, he had chariots, he had wives, he had concubines, he had gold, he had wealth, he had wisdom. And he gets right here and he writes this in Ecclesiastes 1. I'm going to read a couple of them. I'm going to paraphrase a couple. It says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, 
king in Jerusalem. Vanities of all vanities, says the preacher. Vanities of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. He continues and he's, he's, he's complaining. He's, he, he says the sun rises, the sun goes down. It, it goes right back to where it was. The wind blows south and it goes north. He says the streams run into the seas, but the seas aren't full and, and things keep running down the same stream over and over again. And he says the eye is not satisfied with seeing nor the ear with hearing, but what it's been will be. And I'm gonna read this. This is actually verse nine right here. It says, what has been is what will be and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. Mm. This is a part where somebody who has it all Somebody who's being given wealth and wisdom and riches, and he's the king. He, he conquers so many tribes. He had all the tribes of, of Judah, and he's sitting at a point in his life where he says, I give up. Everything I do is useless. I'm frustrated. And he starts to talk to God. And like I said before, a lot of the times in our situations, we don't talk to God because we just want to push it on the back burner. Man, I, I really wanted to read the Bible all the way through I didn't get there, so let's just ignore it. Let's just push it back. Let's, let's not think about it, because if I don't think about it, it, it didn't really happen. We've all been there, right? Yeah, we've all been there. And you get to the point where you get frustrated, and King Solomon spoke up. He wrote these words from his heart to the Lord. He's like, everything is useless. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing old. It's all in vain. Everything that I do is in vain. And he's being honest with the Lord about where he is. He even says in Ecclesiastes 2, wise men and fools die alike. He's frustrated. You know, have you ever been frustrated before the Lord? I want to challenge you this year. Actually, I want to challenge you for the next two days, right? I want you to find some time with the Lord. And I want you, whether you want to sit at a Starbucks, or you want to sit at your table. Sometimes, you know, I get crazy and I like to just lay on the floor of my bedroom right? And, and I'll, I'll pray or I'll journal. And I challenge you to get some alone time today or tomorrow. And I want you to be honest with the Lord on where you're at. I want you to be honest with, hey, Lord, 2018 was awesome. 2018 stunk. You know, I didn't like this or I didn't like that, or I tried to do this. It didn't work, Lord. And I tried to do this. It didn't work. And I want you just to be honest and take inventory of your own life of where do I want to go in 2019, and the last point, we got to know where we are going. In 1 Kings 3, uh, verses 5, says that Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and said, ask what I shall give you. Right there, he, he says, ask what I. He's talking, to, that's the Lord speaking, right? He says, ask what I, the Lord, will give you. And then we're going to skip to verse 9. Solomon says, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind, to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this your great people. Listen, if the Lord asked me what he should give me, I don't know if I would say that. 
That's a pretty wise thing to say, right? And he's asking the Lord about where he's going, what he's doing. He said, I need discernment if I'm going to lead your people. In 1 Kings 3, 10 through 15, it said, The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for death of your enemies, but for discernment and administrating justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will, or sorry, there will never be anybody like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then a Solomon awoke. And he realized that he had been, you know, that that had been a dream. So we're going to stop right there and we're going to think. So when we talk about where we're going, he had a conversation with the Lord. And he said, Lord, this is what I want. And the Lord gave it to him. But later we, we go back, right? And, and when I was planning this message, I was like, I really wish I could talk about this before. I talked about how he was, he was sad. He was frustrated. He was depressed. He, he was bitter. But, but it, was, it makes a very clear point right here is he had a vision before he wrote Ecclesiastes. This is in 1 Kings, which is, you know, years before that he was given all this stuff. And the Bible said or, that the, God's going to give you wealth and he's going he's to give you discernment that you're going to be the best king. Not only the best king right now or the best king that ever been, but you're going to be the best king ever, period. And God gives him all those things and he gets to a point where he says, man, right where I'm at right now, I'm right here. I'm frustrated. Everything I do is in vain. Everything I do is a waste of my time. I'm going to leave. Somebody else is going to come. A generation's going to leave and somebody else is going to come. And he got to the point where he took inventory of himself and he's like, I'm frustrated. Later in Ecclesiastes, he, he, he changes that mindset and he says, it's all for God. And, and I was like, how do you get there? King Solomon, how do you get to a point where God gives you wealth he gives you riches, he gives you women, he gives you gold, he gives you kingdoms, he gives you tribes. How do you get to a point that he gives you all these things and you get frustrated and you say, whatever, it's not good enough. How do you get to that point? And I was, I was praying and saying, all right, Lord, what's the main point? Why did he get here? How did he do it? I, I realized this, the Lord told me something very clearly. Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Everybody knows that scripture, but you know what stands out to me on that one? It doesn't say, for, for I'm gonna give you your plans. I don't know, it doesn't say God knows your plans. It says that for I know the plans I have for you. And so many times when we come up with visions and we come up with plans and we come up with New Year's resolutions, we say, what do I want to do next year? I think traveling to the Bahamas sounds nice. And, and believe me, those are good plans. And those are good dreams. And, and the Lord will honor those. But sometimes you got to think and stop and say, all right, God, I'm right here. How did I go wrong? And you got to realize that I'm not where I'm at because I didn't ask for God's plans. I, I asked for my plans. And you got to sit back and be honest and you say, man, this is where I'm at and this is where I'm at. But what happened is I never started the year off or I never started my month off or I never started this plan off with saying, Father, what's your plan for my life? 
because it's his plans and he knows what's gonna happen in 2019 and he knows what's gonna happen in 2029. It doesn't matter, it's his. And when we get frustrated because our plans were good and our visions were good and I knew that I could do this right, it's not about us, it's about God. And I believe that if people can get this, get this vision in their head that it's not about us, it's not about our plans, it's about, God, what do you have for me in 2019? He says a future and a hope. And I think those vacations fall in that future and a hope, right? I think those, those traveling or those career goals or, or losing weight or quitting smoking, all those will fall into God's plan because he's gonna make you the best person you can be in 2019 or 20 or 21 or 22. It doesn't matter, but you have to say, Lord, I want your plan, not mine. And I struggle with that so much because I have some good plans. I'm good at planning. Sometimes my co-leader would say otherwise, but I have some great ideas. And, you know, and I, I know we sit there so many times and we say, God, why did this plan or this vision or this New Year's resolution not work? It's because we never asked the Lord to be a part of it. We never asked the Lord for his plan and his purpose. And just a side note, I'm gonna throw this in there for free. One of the crazy things is when you ask the Lord to be a part of it, he brings some stuff. The Holy Spirit brings some, you know, gifts. He brings some fruit. One of my favorite fruits, self-control. We need those in a lot of our New Year's resolutions, right? And that comes from the Holy Spirit. And so you gotta be honest with yourself on where you are and what's going on. And you gotta take inventory. And I challenge you today or tomorrow before the new year, if, if it doesn't make it to the, maybe the first or second or third, whatever, but find some time to get alone with the Lord and say, God, these are my visions and these were my plans. And this is what I wanted to accomplish. Does it align with your plans? Does it align with what you want for me and, and where you want me to go and what you want me to do? And if it does, I promise you, you'll see some fruit. You'll see some exciting victory stories about, man, I planned this and it went well. And the difference, God was with you. It was his plan all along. And so I challenge you, find time this week. As we leave, I wanna hit those three points one more time. When you're taking inventory of your life, you have to first know where you've been. Second, you gotta know where you are. Be honest with yourself, be honest with God. And third, you gotta know where we're going, what we're doing. And, and hopefully that lines back up with what God wants to do in your life and how God's gonna use you. I wanna talk to a couple people today who maybe have never asked the Lord to be king of your life. And you say, I mean, I have plans, I have visions. Sometimes they come true, sometimes they don't. It's whatever, but you never made God king of your life. You never made Jesus king, so these things don't always come true. If, if you've never accepted Christ, if you've never prayed that prayer, uh, I, I'm talking to you today. If you are interested in having a relationship with Jesus and asking him, God, I wanna see what you can do with my life because I've been trying for so many years and it's not where I want it to be. And if you say, I wanna pray that prayer, I just want you to repeat after me. If you guys can bow your heads, close your eyes, you don't have to stand up. You don't gotta speak it out loud, but if you just, just between you and Jesus, you repeat after me. God, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. And since Jesus died for me, I want to live for you. Thank you for your peace and your hope, your plans and your visions, God, for my life. And I pray you give me great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom and in 2019 and so on. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody shouts, amen. Yeah.
Let's celebrate with those people. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.